Kinship Tales Studios. Every culture is shaped by the people who live in it. And while we all have the power to shape our culture, we are also restricted by it. The balance and struggle between confinement by culture and the strength required to change a culture is the focus of today's story. By now, the beginning of November 2022, we hope that you have heard the story of Masa Gina Amini. If not, be sure to check our show notes. We became a part of this story on October 1st of this year. We stumbled upon a massive demonstration at the Westlake Park in downtown Seattle. We were welcomed by the crowd, met Nassim, and chanted with Ozzy. You will hear from them soon. We were so moved by their passion, we decided to do what we could to help. From this brutal tragedy has grown one of the most inspiring movements in modern history. In response to violence, young Iranian activists are fighting back with passion and art. This is Baroye by Shervin Hajipur. He compiled Iranians' reasons for protesting, shared online, into an anthem. For this art, he was arrested. In response to the global outcry over his arrest, he was released on bail while his case continues. In addition, Baroye received over 100,000 submissions for the Grammy Awards' new category, Best Song for Social Change. Every single part of Baroye is just like has so impact on every single people. Every single, I believe everyone experienced for just not be able to hold hands, for kissing the street. Every single one of them hits a nerve. Every single one of them of those lyrics has meanings and brings up a day, experience, a moment, something in the life of an Iranian. This song parallels the movement in Iran. Shervin compiled the lines, but the lyrics were written by hundreds of individuals. So too have the protests been organized, not by a leader, but by thousands of individuals knowing that they must do something. I think like from what I've read about past revolutions is that there's always been like a leader, like a unified team. And I think that's like the only thing that this is probably missing. Can this movement succeed without a leader? More on that later. First, we want to share the stories of four Iranian-American women and what this movement means to them. My name is Nassim. I'm uh, 43, and I live in Everett area. My name is Tara Hedayati. I am 24 years old, and currently I live in the Shoreline area in Seattle. Hi, my name is Golban. I am 27, and I live in the Central District, Lushai area. Arizu, my name, go with uh, Adi. I live in, uh, right by Butterfield, Washington. I have to say the age. <laughs> yeah. 
I'm 50. Yeah, proud woman to be 50. I made it. Yes. <laughs> All four of these women were born in Iran, but now live in the Seattle area. It was a difficult journey, but one they each had to take. I find myself clashing with the authoritarian regime starting at a very young age. So at first, I learned to hide my ideas and abide by every rule that they imposed. But as I got older, they, it became harder and harder because there were things that I couldn't close my eyes on anymore. So the clashes became a lot more serious. Um, and I thought if I stayed longer, I may end up being jailed or even have more serious consequences. So I thought my life is not safe here anymore. I still have to go. Like everything we had, we sold and then we bought some dollars. So set in the train to Turkey and just go to no land. Where? I don't know. Somewhere they're not attacking my daughter every day at the school. Somewhere that I can go to school for myself for not being discriminated because of my religion. Some places that I have, I can breathe. I was four years old when I left. My parents moved us to Turkey as religious refugees. We arrived to America when I was five. All I know is that they, f they felt like it was time to leave. My mom did not want to leave the country. My mom was absolutely against it. And my dad, on the other hand, wanted to leave the country. And so they had this back and forth all the time. I remember ever since I was young. I started going to school and in school I was, me and my cousin were the only Baha'is there. And this school was particularly even more brainwashed. What they did to me as a seven-year-old student, they would take me out of class, take me into the principal's office, and they would say to me that I was the most disgusting thing they have seen. They would uh, say to me that my parents were spies that my blood was useless and that if they would kill me, they would gain what they needed to gain to reach heaven. Can you believe that? This, you know, propaganda was all over my school to a point where my classmates stopped sharing their desk with me, stopped talking to me. They kind of, you know, isolated me. And also my teacher, you know, beating me numerous times and so that was the cutoff for my mom and that's when my mom was like you know what i can't do this to her you know if we want to stay here as much as we want to stay here she will not have a future whatsoever it was heartbreaking to hear these stories because it was clear they didn't want to leave Persian gatherings are very lively and animated. There's a lot of hospitality and great food. People really outdo themselves. There would be like, you know, 12 entrees for like a group of like 10 people. Our house, we had a pretty, a good size yard where we had uh, the city I come from is known for its citrus. The climate is very much like California. So we had different citrus trees, also apples. Um, so part of it was that the fall was beautiful because uh, we had all the citrus and then at the beginning of the spring you could smell the blooms uh, when they started to come on. One of the memories I have is from my uncle's shop and he was a woodworker. He made a lot of uh, very traditional furniture 
I don't remember what type of wood it was, but I do remember that smell, that strong smell. That when you go into the shop, and I think that smell was like comfort for me. You know, I, I went into that shop and I knew I was safe. I remember of Iran is all just love and humanity, just love. It's good. Even though we are compressed by the government, even that the people just try to be together and help each other. Community is really big deal in Iran. Plays a big role. It's just so people get together, bring their own food, like all the time. But along with all of that love was too much fear and danger. We just from nowhere, like, oh, this bad CG, this Marathi police is coming, run. When I went back to Iran, uh, when I was there, I lived with my aunt and uncle and my cousin for that 50 days. So me and my cousins, we are walking, you know, in the mall and shopping. And, and then immediately she grabs me and takes me into one of the stores. And she's like, shh, don't say anything. And I say, why? What's going on? She say, the morality police are chasing us. My father did tell me a story about the time that he was walking by a protest in 1999 when he was beaten by the morality police with a baton. And I never knew about this until, until recently when we started protesting here. He wasn't even protesting in Iran. He was just walking by. They want to be unpredictable, and you never know. That's what I am saying behind Mahsa's story. Maybe she said, this is none of your business. Why are you talking to me like that? Maybe she just tried to just say something for her dignity. Oh, the girl we cut in the street, but your hair shows now you have attitude. And boom, they hit her head, and then they have authority. They can do that. I was a medical student in the anniversary of that event, the massacre in Tehran University. One year later, in my town and all over Iran, there was another uprising and a protest. So I was there with a friend when we started hearing for the first time in my life, uh, gunfire. So we, we were in the crowd and we hear the gunfires and the people sh sh shouting, they killed a boy, they killed a boy. So my first reaction, other than running for my life, was that really, I couldn't believe that this had happened. I said, well, I have a, as a medical student, I know the trauma center close by. So let us go there and find out what really happened. So I went to the ER with my friend there I had the badge and I saw a young man about 18 or 19 with chest open and shot in the chest and the, um, on a stretcher in the ER. <sighs> um, so he had passed away and we, we, we just went home. Uh, they came from um, the IRGC group and arrested me after they identified me as somebody who had seen the body. Just, we had not talked to anybody else. I mean, it was, it, that was all. Our crime was having seen a body. We were arrested. We spent a night in jail. Um, we were with a crowd of, you know, different groups of, you know, prostitutes and burglars. And they were amazing, actually. They were very kind to us. <laughs> and next day, um, they took us shackled. Yeah, so our hands are both our feet uh, to the court. And um, basically, accused us of trying to um, say something that had not happened, that a guy was killed by a stabbing by some uh, 
burglars and we are trying to say we saw somebody shot, which we hadn't said either of those at all, but they, they released us on the um, uh, condition that we will stay quiet about that. There are things that you cannot just close eyes on, and especially as a physician, people's suffering was extremely hard for me not to speak about or not to do something about. And that's when I realized I have to leave. These experiences are universal, as explained to us and evidenced by the lyrics of Baroye. That's why the song is so powerful. It is saying out loud what everyone has suffered in silence. In preparing for this story, we learned that Iran's history is far more complex than one might assume. You know, when I think back to 2009, 2010, you, you guys will recall, there was a, a big debate inside the White House yeah. about whether I should publicly affirm uh, what was going on with the Green Movement because a lot of the activists were being accused of being tools of the West right. and there was some thought that we were somehow going to be um, uh, undermining their street cred in Iran mm -hmm. if I uh, supported what they were doing. Uh, and in retrospect, I think that was a mistake. That was Barack Obama on Pod Save America reflecting on his decisions regarding Iran. And America has a significant role in Iran's history, helping to install and prop up the Shah, imposing sanctions, and making agreements, all while the women of the country felt the whiplash of changing laws and moral codes. Trying to parse all of the details, which groups are working together and who should be supported now is not easy. I think people need to wake up, honestly. There's so much propaganda being pumped out here. It's very disheartening. It's almost like a second coming of age, being awakened to everything that's going on. I think people need, I don't wanna, I don't wanna be like fear mongering here, but I think people need to be very cautious and practice discernment when they are consuming any media about what's going on in Iran. And that's what I, what I would say is I think people need to be like, this is just the sad reality. Like there's just so much garbage and you know, it's like, it's in the Facebook groups. People will bring something up about, you know, there's like a lobby group called NIAC. People will bring up a fact that someone is a part of it in the community. And all these people are so quick to defend this person. And it's like, okay, this is not what we need. What we, what this community needs right now is accountability and we need to speak up. And we have to scream at our representatives and our senators to, to tell them, hey, as your constituents, listen to us. We are telling you, we don't need the West to save the Iranian Middle Eastern woman. They can do that themselves. We are telling you to stop saving our murderers. Words are cheap. Anybody can use them. We need your action. What are you going to do? But in the end, the answer is simple. The people of Iran are being denied their fundamental human rights, and they are tired of asking. 
they are demanding a life free of fear and oppression. We must support them in this effort. A loss of rights anywhere is a threat to rights everywhere. Iranians are wanting us to keep the hope because this time it is different. Like they are not backing down. I think Iranians finally are aware of the power that they have as the people. My friends in Iran are saying that this is, this is it, this is the end. My friend actually wrote me the other day. She says that she can see freedom. When I started seeing videos of these courageous young girls burning their headscarf. You see, the Islamic Republic, its biggest pillar is hijab, right? When the biggest symbolism was being burned, that to me, that to me reminded me of the moment when the Berlin Wall came down. And that is when I told my mom, Mom, this is not an uprising. This is a revolution. This is what's happening. They cannot control the people anymore. And I constantly emphasize people are what makes the government. The moment the government loses its legitimacy in front of its people, that's how you know the game is over. The show is over. There is no more legitimacy. There's no more respect for that government. It's done. For decades, activists have been trying to reform laws in Iran. Now they have changed their approach, and their creativity is inspiring the world. Baroye has demonstrated the ability of art to circumvent the political system. As the saying goes, art is not a mirror held up to reality, it is a hammer with which to shape it. And the internet has infused art with the ability to travel farther and faster than ever before. It allows us to form bonds that transcend borders, oceans, and language. Maybe we have entered a new age, and this movement doesn't need a leader. Like Baroye, like all of our cultures, maybe Iranians can crowdsource their freedom. In this time of democracy under threat, we will support the Iranian people in their fight. You can too, by continuing to watch, by sharing your support. You can create accountability just by paying attention. I would like people to know we exist there, know our story. I would love for them to ask me questions. And I feel like the more we know about each other in the world, the closer we're going to be, and this bond will not be easily broken. Thank you for listening.